Well, 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 welcome to another episode of the Fearless Parody Podcast Show. You know, parody doesn't come with a manual. It either does parody a child, preteen, or teenager. In fact, parody is very scary. It can cause every parent out there to be fearful, me included. The goal, the purpose of this podcast is to provide you with information and resources that help you overcome family life struggles difficulties and challenges and to be able to parent fearlessly. So every week we provide information and resources to help grow your parental leadership while growing the leadership of your child, preteen, or teenager. In short, we are here to help you and your children become the best versions of yourselves. So get ready and dive right in to today's episode. All right, moms, dads, parents, and guardians, we are back with Erica Cruz. Erica's passion for supporting families stems from her own experience as a mother of four boys, ranging in age from two all the way to 25, and a daughter who set out to be a parent in a different way than she was when she was a child. While raising her children, she searched to find a program that brought children to the forefront while also providing clear boundaries for mutual respect, a program where children would be seen and heard and where adults would see with new eyes and listen for what was unsaid. So without any further ado, one more time, here's Erica Cruz. Erica, thank you for being back with us once again on the Fiercely Parroted Podcast. So happy to be here. All right, so tell my audience about the homeschool garden. Yes. Um, we just had our, we just closed out our 20th school year. Uh, <laughs> 20th. Um, like you said in the description, I was really seeking a program where my children could thrive and um, be seen and be heard. I was using the right principles in home and was wanting to have that out in the world. And when I couldn't find it, I decided to start it on my own. And we started off as a homeschool resource center. Um, My son was going into kindergarten. Um, My younger son was three. And if we had chosen the school that uh, we were looking at, it would have been a 30-minute commute, you know, each way. And uh, I was not going for that with a young baby in tow. (laughs) So uh, we started at home and there was other families that were looking for the same thing. And so uh, we shaped it into a nursery school, uh, started with three days a week, uh, any child, you know, from six months to six years. And then on Fridays would be our homeschooling day and we'd bring in um, different teachers, movement teachers, Spanish teacher, knitting teachers. Um, and it just grew from there. And yet here we are now 20 years, you know, going strong. You know, Erica, I hear your story and it reminds me of another story, a, a mentor of mine. I'm a Maxwell parenting coach and um, uh, one of my mentors, Dr. Deborah Tillman. I don't know if you ever heard of her at what time she's on a TV show called America's Nanny. And uh, she talked about being a young mother and not being able to find a reliable nursery for her child. And so rather than 
complain and lament about the problem, she became her own solution. And that sounds like something that you did there. Rather than cry and lament about the situation, you stepped up to the plate and created a solution. Yes. You know, um, we create such a foundation at home with our children. And we want, I remember just wanting my child to still have that spirit and without it being crushed <laughs> uh, in school or by, you know, um, teachers that may, maybe that's how that they teach. And so um, I really wanted to find a program. And when I, you know, looked at my experience, I'd already been working in the early childhood field for quite a while. Um, was I ready to step into the next level of that? And, you know, of course, when you have your children looking at, you know, looking at you, then yes, yes, I definitely wanted to take that step. Well, moms and dads, you can hear it in her voice and I've said here, seeing it in her face. Uh, she has passion, she has purpose, and she went forward with this with intentionality. And, you know, it seems like to me, that's what you need to have in a child care provider. So, Erica, now that we know what somebody should be looking for, let's talk about that a little bit. What should you be looking for in a nursery school? And then let's talk about the red flags. So what should you be looking for with selecting a nursery school? For me, I think outdoor space is really important um, for our children to have outdoor time you know when when we are i'm in los angeles so you know we're in the car you know traveling to the grocery store going to pick up siblings or doing all that there's a lot of time in the car so i want their time and care to be outside as much as possible um so making sure it's a rich environment that they have plants that are growing uh we have uh chickens and ducks um here (laughs) at our site Chicken and ducks would probably get chased a lot. (laughs) Sometimes they do. Um, Of course, we encourage them not to do that, the children to do that. But I really think that that life force of that they have to care for, you know, they're young children and there's so many people that care for them, whether it's grandma or guardian or parents or whoever's involved and now teachers. It's really important that they also have to have a life force that they are caring for. And so they are helping us gather eggs. They are, you know, we're cleaning out the chicken coop together. We're, you know, um, wow. <laughs> we're, we're scooping up poop. We're doing the whole nine yards. This is, you know, this is the whole life force going on. Um, and, and then they know that, you know, we put it into the compost and then we put it on the garden beds later. You know, they know the whole process and they are joyful. They are joyful participating in it. It's not, you know, a seven-year-old or 17-year-old begrudgingly, oh, I can't believe you're making me do this. It's really joyful. And when you start them young, it, they see it as as that, as, as part of. Yeah, they do have to have an outlet. You know, I, I work in a ministry. A lot of people in my audience know that I work in a role range of ministry. And uh, at, at my local church, I used to have the third through fifth graders. And always believe you got to let them have some time outside. You got to let those boys just go. And I said, okay, they all knew the rule. When you hit the outside door all the way to the playground, you can run as fast as you want it, and you can yell as loud as you want it. 
and the, the louder the better. So, you know, they hit the door and I mean, it would just be really, really loud. And adults would look at everything and say, hey, they're just being kids. They're being boys. They, they need to have that outlet. And uh, they would do that to the playground, back from the playground. And then when they came back in, it was much easier to uh, manage them and move them from place to place and do things because they always knew that they were going to have that opportunity to just go out there and be themselves. And in their play, there's so much you can learn about that child. So much. By watching them play. So let's talk about that. Then we'll go into the red red flags of, of a nursery school. But why is play so important? And what can parents learn from play? So much, so much. We actually... Um, we do monthly workshops and we just had our Saturday first of the month, Saturday workshop on play. (laughs) And it it is so important. Um, One of the phrases that we talked about is um, to see children with new eyes and listen for what is not said. So one of the key principles of Rye is observation. And so in observation, when we're watching them play, we can see their physical abilities we can mm-hmm. see their social abilities yes. we can see you know their confidence level so social emotional you know figuring things out mentally you know oh you know you know so and so wants to you know build this how are we going to put that together you know we can see the people who are really um, struggling with that and how we can support them um, whether it's being included in a group whether it's you know not having enough confidence to climb to the top of the climbing structure or do something like that, how can we support them? So there's so much that we can see in play. Um, we also want children to be able to play on their own, even in a group setting. So, you know, we want them to have that that self-confidence of it's okay for me to, you know, do what I'm interested in, whether it's, you know, drawing with chalk on, you know, the black, you know, the blacktop, or, you know, you know, going off and doing something else instead, so that they they don't have to follow the group. All the time. Yes, it's just having that having that outlet. Uh, so let's let's uh, talk about red flags. Uh, what should uh, a mom or dad be on the lookout for um, as a nursery that they probably should not have their child? Yes, I remember having my two young kids before I decided to open up my own spot. Uh, going to a daycare and she was talking about she asked if I had a stroller and I'm thinking oh great she's gonna you know take them for a walk and and she said oh because that's where your young infant is going to be eating and sleeping in um and I was like oh my gosh she's telling this to my face like what is she, <laughs> like is the baby gonna be in the stroller oh. the whole time I left that place and I was crying I was like there is no way like and she was telling me, honestly, where at least, you know, she gave me that. Um, but it was, yes. So make sure that they are not using contraptions to hold your children in, uh, which makes their job a whole lot easier, but does not give any kind of healthy development for your child. Um, I also want to see teachers moving, you know, um, I don't want them sedentary, you know, sitting behind a table, you know, even if it's an artistic activity that they're watching, I want to see them moving because you're, you, you know, just like I shared, you know, in the last episode about toddlers and wanting to, you know, 
have the same toy. I want to know that they're going to be quick to move if they need to for safety reasons, you know, for child is, you know, reaching for something that's not safe or, you know, climbing on something, but not really paying attention to their body, you know, that they're able to quickly move. Um, a lot of places that have sedentary teachers, they will just sit down during their whole day with the children. And even as, you know, our children grow, I remember my children, the teachers that they loved the best were the ones that were lecturing while they're standing and engaging the children and really drawing in their interest rather than the ones that were sitting behind a desk and just lecturing from there. Yeah, because well, with our son, you know, he, he's high-functioning autistic. And when he was younger, one of our daycare providers, there, there were things that we just did not know that we found out later. Uh, you you have to let a child be who they are. And I'm not talking about disruptive or anything like that or misbehaving. I'm talking about if they have a disability, like they're on the spectrum, uh, you, you have to be able to engage that child where they are, not where you want them to be. Exactly. And, and help them become the best version of themselves. And uh, there, there were things that we found out that if we had it to do it over again, uh, we would uh, never have gone to that particular individual. So, you know, I, I think you have to be cautious uh, and ask, ask questions. Lots of questions. So if you had two or three questions that you would tell parents, hey, you need to ask these questions, what, what would they be? Um, one of the things it would be, you know, how do they how do they handle conflict resolution? So if children are con conflicting or a child doesn't want to put on a jacket and it's, you know, snowing outside, how do you handle that? Um, because I want to know. I want them to break it down of like, you know, yes, the child needs to be in a jacket. You know, do you need to forcibly put a child in a jacket? You know, how do we walk through that, you know, experience? Also, for me, it's really important about, like, what are they offering for food and, you know, when are they offering it? You know, because I don't want children to be, you know, snacking every, you know, every hour or so. And I want them to be able to sit down and have a meal uh, instead right. of. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. When my children went from homeschooling into school, they're like, we barely had enough time to eat. Like they said, okay, lunch was over and time to go outside now. <laughs> <laughs> well, they learned some stuff the hard way there. It's not like it was at home. Exactly. And, well, let's, let's talk about meals and make that look, make a little transition here. But before we leave is this pairs, you got to ask questions of your provider periodically ask questions about their routines and the things that they have going on in that nursery uh those like, yeah go ahead I like, yeah i like to ask questions even after enrollment of like who's my child's you know favorite friend or what do they like to do inside and when you're outside what do they like to do because that means they have to be paying attention mm -hmm. and if yeah, they don't out the door today right yeah and and if they if they don't know oh i don't know so then it's like they're not but you've brought their attention to it okay well i'm going to check back with you you know tomorrow and you can let me know and if that happens too many times, it's probably time to rethink, uh, you know, does your child still need to be there or is it time for them to go someplace else? Exactly. So I, I want to shift 
focus to family rituals. Uh, I think family rituals are important. Uh, you talk about uh, making meal times as as uh, something that is fun and something that the, this should be done on a regular basis. So, what are some of your secrets to making meal time a family ritual that everyone will love? Um, I try and get it on the table as early as possible. <laughs> then everybody, you know, they get home from school or work or practice and they're disappearing into their rooms. Uh, so I like to have something also that's, that's something I'm home. If, if I'm home that I'm just cooking, that I could be doing the dishes, you know, the soup is cooking, pasta sauce, you know, whatever it is, is taking its time and I'm not feeling rushed. Uh, I really like to have the children involved. Uh, so yesterday, uh, my two-year-old was on a kitchen stool and we were making some mashed potatoes. So, oh my. <laughs> so I was putting in the butter and he had, you know, the hand smasher. He was smashing that and stirring it around and then added the milk, added some salt and he's stirring it around. And, you know, I got to say, and I told my family, I said, this is the best tasting mashed potatoes I've had in a really long time. It was, you know, made with love, but he was participating even at two. I, I um, bet you a lot of energy went into mashing those potatoes. Oh, that's right. That's right. I remember <laughs> even uh, my 14 year old when he was six, he said, and he loved, he loves mashed potatoes they are big in our house. They love them. Uh, he said, mama, can I peel the whole bag of potatoes? And I was like, our kids like, yeah, <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> um, he was volunteering with like joy. Can I do that? Um, so involving them as much as you can. So if you're the type of person, I know a mom who's a chef. So she's like, I really don't like them in the kitchen. <laughs> so I said, okay, have them set the table, you know, have them gather their brothers and sisters you know, have them clean up after the table. So here at Homeschool Garden, even our young little ones um, are picking up their dishes after themselves. So, you know, if they can walk, they're carefully holding their dishes, um, you know, that are stoneware and glassware and putting it in a bin, you know, so that they start to care and pick up after themselves. Yeah, just have them be a part of the process. And kids like praise. Uh, I'm a big believer you get more of what you praise than what you criticize. Now, I'm not saying that you don't criticize, you don't call out things that uh, need to be called out. There's a way to do it. But I'm definitely saying that uh, you, if there's something going on that's worthy of praise, then praise them for it because, again, you get more of it. And I'm not talking about a trophy for everything, an award for everything. It's just basically that is a good job. That is how I see things doing. And, and so now they know, yeah. okay, doing it this way is a good thing. And so now they can, they have a bar to reach up to and they know what they need to do. A lot of times we leave it open-ended and they don't know that they're doing a good job. Is, is what I'm doing adequate? Uh, so they're just out there spinning their wheels because they don't know what type of job that they're doing. So when you yeah. see that list, you need to call it out. I think you're, you're really key on that is that we take it for granted sometimes. 
And so we don't have the gratitude. So we're just kind of like expecting it or they should do it or whatever it is. But even just the gratitude of like, thank you. That saved me from setting the table or thank you for picking up after yourself, you know, and, and my 14 year old will lean in and, you know, kiss my cheek because he really knows that that's helpful. (laughs) He really knows that that's a contribution. (laughs) And um, one of the things that I didn't mention is no electronics at the table. So no phones, you know, at the table so that we're really present, you know, um, even here at homeschool garden with the children in the nursery school, we say our grace before we start our meal. Um, before anybody leaves this table, we say our gratitude, you know, thank you for this meal. Um, and so we're really also setting the tone because, you know, we don't know where everybody came from. They could have been, you know, climbing on the climbing structure or, you know, coming back from, you know, a sports, you know, sports camp or something like that. And so when we start with grace, it really grounds them. We're here now. We're present. We're together. Yeah, it, it is family time now. We have all come together. Well, Erica, I, I'm, I'm glad that we came together, that we had an opportunity to listen to you today, to listen to your heart, to hear about Homeschool Garden. Uh, Erica, tell my parents one more time where they can find you. Sure. Thank you so much. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Homeschool Garden, H-O-M-E-S-C-H. O-O-L-G-A-R-D-E-N. And you can find us on our website at homeschoolgardensite.com. Thank you so much. And moms and dads, parents and guardians, I want to highly encourage you to go check out her website, particularly you moms and dads of little ones uh, that are three months, six months, nine, a year, year and a half, two years old. I highly encourage you to check her out. She has a lot of good information to help you make the connections that you need to make with your child. And it's not difficult. It's not overtaxing. Uh, They're just simple things that you can do. And she's an individual who wants to come alongside of you and help you become the best version of yourself so that you can connect with your children and help them move toward becoming the best version of themselves. Erica, I want to thank you for being on my podcast and adding value, such tremendous value to my parents. Oh, such a pleasure. Thank you. And moms and dads, parents and guardians, that brings us to the end of this episode. Do check out the podcast description. We want you to download the podcast every chance you get, but more than that, we want you to subscribe to the Fiercely Parody Podcast because that's really going to help us out. And check out that po- uh, podcast description where you're going to find links to Erica. You'll be able to click and go, and it'll take you right over there to her, as well as parenting resources and other things that are going to help you as parents. So until the next episode, God bless. Well, that concludes another awesome episode Please, please check out the podcast description where you'll find links to family and parenting resources. And I want to thank you, moms, dads, and guardians, for listening to today's Fearless Parenting Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show and that it added value to you and your family. And I want to leave you with something that was what said by two-time Nobel Prize recipient Marie Curie, who once said that nothing in life is to be feared. 
is only to be understood. Now is the time to understand more so that we may fear less. That is why we have this show, to help you understand more about parenting so that you can fear less. So I want to challenge you, like I always do, to go forth and fearlessly parent. God bless.